Hi, I'm TJ. And I'm Joseph. And this is Hi-Fi. Hey, TJ, how's it going? Good. I am recording uh, this podcast for the first time. Actually, the first time I recorded any podcast from my Hackintosh, my primary computer. Really? Yes. I figured you would have recorded a few by now on your time on that machine. Well, so the problem has always been that um, the computer um, was sitting right next to me on my desk. I had it kind of behind my displays and to my left. And it's not loud. I don't notice it during the day, but like it's, it makes a, like the fans are continually running at a slow RPM. So that low fan noise does get into the, the uh, microphone. And so I always recorded from my uh, work laptop or personal laptop or something like that. Um, and my work laptop is going away because I'm getting a, a I think we've talked about this on the show, but I'm, I'm changing jobs and changing computer situations. So I needed to arrange my computer in such a way that I could record from my personal computers. My personal laptop has a problem with heat and fan noise, like really badly. Um, So that's kind of a non-starter. So um, I moved my Hackintosh. Uh, Well, I first had to order longer because the reason it was on my desk in the first place was um, my display cables, my display port cables were too short to reach any further than if it was just on my desk. So I ordered longer 10-foot display port cables and moved it to the other side of the bookshelf. So, Joe, I'm going to send you a picture because um, this is an audio medium, so this is the best thing to talk about is things that people can see, right? Yeah, from the pictures <laughs> on uh, Instagram. We're going to have to connect the Instagram podcast feed to yes. this episode. Yeah. So I've sent you a picture, and you can see my Hackintosh there in front of the bookshelf. My desk is behind the bookshelf. Um, and so that actually removed – the noise is just – It's like I said, it's actually pretty quiet. It's just enough that it gets in the mic. And with it around the other side of the bookshelf, it doesn't get into my mic at all. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I've had similar situations before. Y- your your Hackintosh does not light up in any sort of way? Oh, okay. I see there is a power yeah, light at the top. there's a power light at the top. It's I got the best PC case I could find. I, I can't remember if we've talked about this on the show either. I but don't recall doing that. Yeah, I can put a link to it in mm-hmm. the show along with this picture, of course, in the show notes. Um, Amazon. Maybe let me throwing look it up. In, in as the cover art or something for the chapter. Um, case. Let's see if Case will bring it up in my search of my orders. Do, 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 do. I am looking. This is the best. Oh, here we go. It's a Corsair Obsidian Series Black 4500D, uh, 450D, high airflow, mid tower computer case. <laughs> Yeah, no one would ever know it's a Mac. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it actually, I think it's a pretty good-looking case. Um, so I've put that link in the – and that gives you another angle to that first image there. Yeah. So uh, and it, um, it's not available to buy directly anymore, and I don't know why – I mean, actually, the price has gone down since I bought it. If you um, – oh, no, that's used. So new, it's actually still the same price, but you have to click on see more buying options. You can't get it directly from Amazon anymore. I just like the idea that if somebody wanted to break in and rob your house, that they go through your house looking for valuable objects and they don't find anything interesting, so they leave, leaving your Mac computer sitting on the floor. Yeah. 
So just a little bit more inside baseball because I'm excited about, you know, podcasting is that Zencaster added back the option to have only audio recording into their interface. It used to be only audio, then they added video and there was no way to turn it off and not that it matters to me anymore because it was making my laptop fan spin up and I'm not recording on my laptop anymore. So they closed the barn door after the horses got home. So when you created the new podcast, did it say you have the option to include video or not? Or did it just give you the direct access to the audio There were three options. There were three options. There was record video and audio, record audio, show video, and record audio only. Good. I actually think that is a really good arrangement. We were using this last week on Equinox. And we didn't, we just went ahead and forego, forwent uh, the video option (laughs) as well because... You know, it's kind of nice if you want to reference each other to show each other some pictures like this of your Hackintosh before the show gets started, but not during the show. It's just not our style. I mean, we've been podcasting for what, almost 10 years, TJ? And you and me? We've uh, not needed video feeds before to get this job done. Yeah, no, I mean, it's an audio podcast and. I didn't mind the video, but it, it definitely, I think, caused some um, – because your internet is not quite as fast as mine or something, and it caused some of that lag. But then there was also like making my laptop fan spin up. Um, so that wasn't great either, which was unfortunate. But now I don't have to worry about that, that part anymore, but I'm happy to have just the audio option back because that's really what I want Zencaster for. Well, Zencaster is uh, working for us at the moment. I'm still happy with it. Even if the video feature is not in- interesting, but it's uh – it's still a very useful interface. I think the video feature of Zencaster is very interesting, and especially for people who do video podcasts. I'm not set up for a video podcast. I don't want people to see my face and my terrible office and my plain white wall behind me. Yeah, I'm and not either. Yeah, and and video. I mean, video podcasting. I I don't think that's really a thing. I mean, you can have video shows, and maybe it's good for YouTube. But like, I just, ugh, podcasting is an audio format. I like anyway. to picture you uh, podcasting from what looks like Dr. Claus Lair. I don't know what Dr. Claus Lair is. Is that Santa Claus? Oh, Dr. Claus? Huh. Well, moving on. Uh, TJ has not got any <laughs> cell service on his watch. Yeah, yes. I take it you don't wish to continue that line of inquiry. So, um, yeah, um, la- the last two times I've been running... I'm sending you a picture of what I see when I uh, realize that my watch I, – I, 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 one of the reasons I got my watch is so I could take off and, – and it's a cellular model, so I could take off and not have to take my phone and I could still be in communication and all that stuff. And I'll realize at some point through some something, like maybe the next podcast in my queue hasn't been downloaded by uh, the, the Pocket Cast app on the watch yet, and then all of a sudden it just – doesn't play and then i'll click it and it just won't play and so i'll go and look at the cellular and i'd say the last two maybe three times i've been on a run uh outdoors this has happened to me and then i'll go and check on the cellular service and it says no connection and today it actually i was thinking well maybe the cellular is out of my watch even though it shows bars but then today actually i was getting closer to home but i wasn't within range of my wi-fi yet and then all of a sudden it started back in and i checked the status and it said it had internet so um I don't know what's up with that. Is it T-Mobile? Is it the Apple Watch? I don't know. Um, I've I've sang T-Mobile's praises before, so I, you know maybe it's time for T-Mobile to get on my bad side. I don't know what's up with that. Have you experienced anything like this, or do you even have a cellular watch? I can't remember. I don't have a cellular watch anymore. I did, and I think I sold that one. Uh, I'm really happy. No, you know what it is? Is I actually have the cellular model, but I discontinued the the phone line plan because I didn't want the $10 a month bill. But mm. if I were traveling, I would start it back up again for sure. 
And I do love the idea of using the local podcasts on the watch. I just always have my phone with me if I do a workout or something like that anyway, so I can follow along on the workout program Mm -hmm. using the app on the phone. So it's not robust enough on the watch that I can get by with the the FitBot app on my watch and not carry the phone along. Um, It's really powerful, but, but sometimes it's the FitBot app that'll actually crash for me. So interesting, you know, it, uh, it's good, but it's not quite there yet. Yeah. I've started using Apple's built in apps for tracking stuff, uh, like runs and, and that's been great. Uh, Oh, good. Fine. Have you experimented with any of the fitness plus video content or podcasting audio content? I haven't. I haven't. Okay. I I mean to as well, but I'm kind of set in my ways. I already have so many other things I really enjoy listening to and, one of the places is while I'm doing a workout. So I'm tuning into the things I already like. I think that that kind of feature is really helpful for beginners who want to shake it up. They don't want to f- fall back into old habits and listen to the same old, same old. Maybe the music that they're accustomed to listening to, they don't want to listen to while they're working out because they, they want something new and different. And if that's the case, it's really hard to find something you're interested in listening to. So I think it's brilliant that Apple's offering some audio content. But anyway, your watch is uh, having cellular connectivity problems. Something's going on with it, and it used to work flawlessly. I'd leave the house, and I wouldn't even note it. Like it would just switch over to cellular, and I'd get huh. you know occasionally somebody would ding me, and I would look and see it wasn't important anyway. And occasionally, my wife would send me a message that I needed to respond to, or would give me a call, and that was all great. And that's just not working at the moment, so it's really frustrating. Oh, well, that's too bad. Uh, and I, like I said, it did start working toward the end of my run today, so maybe I don't know again if it's T-Mobile or the watch. But if it does it again, I'm definitely going to be looking at something because as far as i know and i i I was going to check on my phone when i got home and turn off the wi-fi and see if it was getting data or if it was a t-mobile issue in general or if it was limited only to my watch but then it started working on my watch so i didn't think to do that have you tried turning it off and on again oh here we go this is not a pc joe i shouldn't have to turn it off and on again and oh and there was a watch update recently so it's been power cycled recently yeah what's up with that hmm Hmm. It did it. I know that it did it once before the the update because I thought, oh well, maybe I need to power cycle it. But then there was an update. I'm like, oh, the the update will power cycle it, and then we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So so it's not related to the update. The update didn't cause it. Um, anyway, that's my cellular watch woe. Speaking of things that Apple produces, um, like watches and bad software, um, they, things that may or may not work all the time. Yes. Well, Apple's decided that the HomePod doesn't work and they're going to focus on the HomePod mini. How do you feel Ouch. about that? I'm really disappointed. I am so too. I have been saving this for a story later down the road around my birthday that I wanted to get a, a stereo pair of the regular HomePods. And there's been a sale for a while at the local Sam's Club. If you're not familiar, they're a company kind of like Costco where you can get pretty great prices on not necessarily expensive things, but bulk things. Who's not familiar with Sam's Club? That's just so weird to me to think oh, about. Well, that's a very good question. My wife is from Oregon, and they don't have Sam's Club out there. So there are people that don't have Sam's Club. I didn't yeah. know that. I mean, I knew that, like, for instance, Walmart wasn't in New York City because New York City has kept them out. And I assume if you can't have a Walmart, you also can't have a Sam's Club because they're related stores. If you live in New York City, do you even know about Tennessee and Georgia? 
don't know. No, I, I, I would suspect not. But <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I find this um, disappointing that um, that Apple, like, because the HomePod, sure, it was expensive, and you got the HomePod Mini, and I was happy that they made the HomePod Mini, and it fills in more of a price gap. But discontinuing the HomePod when the the, the point of Apple is to focus on quality, and the HomePod Mini it's still okay, but it's but but it's not the high end experience that that a lot of Apple users want. So I'm really surprised by this move, and this this may tie in later to some things I have to say about Apple occasionally feeling a little bit like they've lost the plot. And I feel like this is Apple. This this makes me nervous because I thought maybe Apple had regained the plot, right? That they had re that they remembered what they were good at and what they were supposed to be doing. And that's why kind of why I've been okay coming back to Apple. And yet here we are, Apple's discontinuing the HomePod, which is the high-quality, high-end user experience device. And they're making instead the HomePod Mini, which is the less user experience device. And I'm again, like, I'm fine with there being a device that has less of a good user experience and less quality if Apple's still making the high-end one and saying, here's your options, right? You know, right. good and better, or better and best, or whatever you, right. however you want to look at it. Yeah. Well, I have the HomePod Minis. I've got five of them now, and I've got hmm. one set that is a stereo. You're pair. the reason nobody's buying the HomePod <laughs> like like you. They're all buying the HiPod, the HomePod Mini. Yeah, they're still selling out after all these months. I heard that you couldn't get the black ones a couple of weeks ago. And uh, well, what I was going to say was is that Sam's Club. If you were still in the market for a regular HomePod, I saw they were for sale for I think one ninety at the Sam's Club until you know supplies are out. But, uh, you know, the problem is, TJ, that I think that they, they, they really weren't committed to the HomePod probably just based on numbers. Because they did the television commercial spot. They made a beautiful commercial. They marketed the thing. They were really committed, and they've given it a few years. But when they looked at how few they were ultimately selling, I think that the vision is, imagine if they hadn't named the HomePod Mini the Mini. But they had called it the second gen HomePod. You know, it's it's uh, smaller, it's lighter, it's cheaper. It does almost everything. But it it's doesn't not sound got as good. the yeah. It doesn't sound quite as good, but it almost does everything. And overall, way better star rating for a more competitive price. Mm. So it, it seems like it's that kind of balancing act where uh, the first model was terribly nice if it was working and the Siri assistant stuff didn't glitch on you. But for that price, uh, not really worth it. Hmm. So anyone who owned one loved the quality, but they hated the price they paid for it. So nowadays customers uh, who've hopped on the HomePod mini bandwagon, you know, that they're, they're really happy with these devices. Yeah. You can tell the difference, but I've watched several reviews on YouTube and even in side-by-side -side comparisons, I think it would take probably the naked ear to tell the difference between a HomePod Mini and a regular HomePod. Because in these side-by-side -side comparisons in YouTube videos, the the regular one just sounds louder. So they can't really even capture the difference for a video review. So I think that to the average listener... They're not audiophiles, you know. They want an impressive speaker, yeah. But what they really want is an impressive speaker for a hundred dollars, not three hundred. Hmm. So you said you were disappointed, but yet it sounds like you're not, and you approve. I, I'm, I'm confused. No, I, I, I do disapprove. I'm just uh, playing sort of Apple's advocate there for a second. I think that that was where they're coming from, and why they leaned into 
you know, discontinuing the regular HomePod. They're thinking of the HomePod Mini as the spiritual successor. But as a as a speaker consumer, I was really ready to buy some of those from Sam's Club for my birthday. So I'm really disappointed to see that it's going away. Uh, it, it kind of banked on it for my home theater, if you want to call it that, setup where I have really nice built-in speakers on my television, but I'm I'm not an audiophile. And what I got was some HomePod mini speakers, and I had hoped that they would be able to pair to the Apple TV. And at the present, that's not supported. So I was like, okay, well, it's no big deal. I still wanted to get regular HomePod speakers for the Apple TV. I'll even make it bigger and better because I've already been told that it can support that with the Apple TV. So it's supported on the regulars, not on the minis. And now they've discontinued it. I'm kind of up this creek because I don't want to buy another speaker system for my television set. Yeah. Well, and for me, it's a non-starter anyway because I have too many things connected to my TV besides my Apple TV that um, that would not work. You know, I don't want a speaker system that only works with the Apple TV but not the yeah, Switch. Yeah, that's a, or the, <laughs> that yeah. is a major downside. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not crazy about that either. And Apple could fix that. Apple could make they're just not willing. They're just not willing to put in the the effort. I think. Well, it does seem like Apple is struggling to make to land some of the products and. The HomePod Mini probably will be being number one right now. Hopefully, they can turn their attention to. Oh man, I don't know. If they can just make the HomePod Mini a real home run hit, improve Siri support, then I'd be thrilled because we have one in our bedroom, and I want to get another one in there too. And one of the fun things you can use with the home automation is you can tell it to do things like turn off the smart plugs around the house that have all the lamps on and turn, turn all of those off and turn on like a background noise fan to help me sleep at night. So uh, you could say, Hey, you know who, uh, <laughs> good night. <laughs> and so she'll say something like one sec and then all the lights cut off and then the sleep noise fan comes on. But I, nine times out of 10, while she's running the system and turning off all the lights and turning on the sleep fan, she also says, I tried to do this for you, but I didn't hear back from one of your devices. Oh, no. And even so, everything worked. Like every smart plug is off, all the lights are out, and the sleep fan is on. It's just so passive aggressive that she sounds like a snot telling me... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that this didn't work. Yes. But nine times out of 10, she says this. And yet every time it has worked since I got the speakers in December, it's, it mm. just cracks me up. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so Apple in the same breath that the Apple giveth and Apple taketh away, right? So a leaker yeah. has suggested that the an, an Apple event is going to be held on March the 23rd. This is a apparently a reputable Chinese leaker, Duan Rui. I'm sorry. I'm terrible with names, especially like names that aren't English. So that's a indictment of me. Anyway, um, Whoever this leaker is, they're apparently very reputable, and they, they this person says that there's going to be an event on March the 23rd. Um, what do you think? I'm compelled to buy some new AirPods. <laughs> so if they have something, uh, well, I don't want regular AirPods, which they're rumored. And uh, what I want is something like AirPods Pro, maybe in a space gray. That would be awesome. Uh, you know, I have all the AirPods, TJ. I have so, HomePods, AirPods, AirPods Max. Do you have AirPods Pro? I do, and I love them. 
But the white finish is just so out of place. I, mm. I don't want a, a white magic mouse. I, I don't the white like finish. white lightning cables. I Ugh. like white. I like them white. So here's the thing about AirPods, um, AirPods Pro. Speaking of, this is sort of tangential. I don't know that we had much to say about the event, so this this is fine. Yeah, um, shoot for it. Uh, I... Every once in a while, when I first got my AirPods Pro, especially like it usually happened if I was in a plane, um, and right when you're taking off, I would get a little bit of rattle in the left AirPod Pro. And at the time, the whole rattle gate for AirPods hadn't happened yet. And I just thought, well, I don't know, that's that's weird. And then it would go, it, it, it was right basically when the engines were the loudest, and it, it seemed like it was having trouble compensating for the, for the engines. And, See, and I the hardly no, ever listen canceling. to music on my AirPods Pro. Uh, so, I just listen to tons of podcasts. So um, I've sort of ignored it. Yeah. Um, however, the other day, uh, because springtime is around the corner and we're uh, right now currently in fool spring. Um, <laughs> you've seen the chart, right? Where you've got uh, <laughs> fool spring, winter yes. strikes again, like all the, all, and so right, you are here, fool spring. Yes. Anyway, um, yes. I was working out on the porch and I had to take a meeting and I had my AirPods Pro and um boy i had to switch because as, every time i would talk they were just rat like that that same rattle that i rattle is almost the wrong word but i don't know how else to describe it it's like this buzzing rattling thing going on in both air both pieces anytime i would speak and occasionally it would happen when somebody else was speaking but mostly when i was speaking that it was just buzzing and rattling in my ears it was awful so apparently I've been struck by the bug and I need to talk to Apple and see if I'm within any sort of window or if something can be done about that. I'm afraid – I think it's been more than a year now, so I'm afraid I might be out of that window. I don't think I got extended warranty on this particular thing, but, oh, man, I've been struck by the bug. So I might be in the market for new AirPods Pro. Now, that being said, there are counter rumors that are saying that we're not going to see any new AirPods like an AirPods 3 generation until Q3. So we don't know if that affects the AirPods Pro release or I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. So if you're going to have an Apple event, Apple, I sure hope you have more to announce than, I don't know, more iPod socks or something. Well, so this article on Mac Rumors says that Apple is expected to launch. They don't say who expects it. I guess Mac Rumors does. AirTags, new iPads, and possibly AirPods at a spring event is and basically so the headlining the headliner would be iPads is that enough for an event i guess it is especially in in today's like modern apple event where it's all online because of covid and so that's they sort of started doing that and it could be i guess any length they want and highlight anything they want because nobody's spending a lot of money to get somewhere i, I guess i don't know yeah it feels a little skimpy and i, I would like to see a fourth product of some sort the 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 airtags are practically a non-product so we'll see yeah i i feel like maybe if they're going to have an event they'll launch a new a new ipad or an updated ipad or whatever that is and then maybe a new apple silicon mac maybe 15 inch macbook pro i could understand if they were going to introduce the new imac yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see a new iMac until later in the year. I think it's a little too soon for that. I, I think if they're going to announce – I think the next Mac they announce will be a 15, a, a 15 or 16-inch, whatever it is, uh, silicon, Apple Silicon MacBook Pro. There has been off-again, on-again rumors about a larger iPad Pro model. Hmm, maybe interesting. Maybe interesting. the reasoning is, is that you, you kind of – what do you do? Like you get rid of – the current sizes of the iPad Pro you introduce, like, uh, what, what would you say? Would you get rid of the 11-inch model because that's the same size dimensions as an iPad Air? 
And then you just have two larger iPad Pros. I would be in favor of that, really, because it clears up a little bit of the line. Right now, the line's a little muddy. Yeah. So I'm using the iPad Pro that is 11-inch, and I really love it. But it's also so comparable to the iPad Air that if I were buying today, I would just get the iPad Air. My wife has one of those. It's in the green. It has that touch ID sleep button, power button on the top. And it works really well. Um, I mean, the camera system is not a reason for why I would get an iPad of any model. So I don't really need the iPad Pro for any particular reason. Since the screens are close enough, they're not exactly the same. For everything that I do on an iPad, I could get it done on the iPad Air. I I don't really want a bigger model. So I I have not been compelled by a 12-inch or beyond. My brother has the larger iPad, and it looks very impressive. It's just... Not my style, because for me, I might as well be on a MacBook Pro by that point. So nah, they're not quite that big, you know. But for the for the work tasks that I would want to do with a larger iPad, I would say, well, go ahead and just give me the Adobe Creative Suite, which I'm not going to be able to get done on the iPad Pro. Sure. So then, if I'm using the iPad Pro, one of my favorite things to do on it is to read books. But so you know, a 12 inch screen or above is already just too big to read books. So the 11 inch was pushing it. I'm really happy with my iPad pro 12.9. Very good. Do you read any books on it though? Not really. Yeah. See, I I would use it for any number of conferences or who knows what you would think me being like a software developer and really into tech and like having a tech podcast and being a tech boy, you know, that I would do everything, all the things digitally, iPad, whatever, read books. Um, I find that if I'm going to read a book, like a physical book, I want it to be a physical book. I'm very disoriented by reading digitally. I I find it hard to know where I'm at in the book or to find my place or to flip back and go, oh, what did they say? You know, last chapter, flip, flip, flip. flip, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very – like the geography of a book is so much easier to navigate with a real physical book than it is digitally. Um, I know there's advantages. There's advantages to, you know, you can drop any a number of bookmarks or highlights or whatever. Um, presumably, I know there's been issues with that because Amazon will quietly update a book and it'll like change the placement of stuff. But, but you know, in general, I know there's advantages to digital books, but I really just prefer physical books if I'm going to read. That said, I don't get to read as much as I would like to as an adult. It's one of my great sorrows. Um, so I tend to listen to audiobooks anyway. The one thing that I can say is really the thorn in my side is that the highlighting, if you get to the end of the bottom paragraph and you're trying to highlight something that goes across to the next page, it just breaks your highlight entirely. It's really hard to get out of the highlight mm. to cross from one page to the next, which is obviously a problem we don't have in the real world. Yeah. Well, somebody should solve that problem. Yeah, it's a problem across. Last time I checked the Amazon Kindle app as well as the Apple Books Fun, 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 fun. Uh, yeah. So you want to talk about something that's more fun than not being able to highlight books properly in digital the digital space. Yes, please. <laughs> highlight books <laughs> properly in meat space, but not digital space. Okay, so the uh, I received, as part of my new upcoming job next week, next okay. Monday, um, I received an LG Ultrafine 4K display, um, the one made specifically to work with Apple's laptops. 
Um, this was this this is standard equipment. I basically they said um, they um, my friend who hired me for this position shot me an email and said, "Hey, uh, your laptop will be arriving, you know, within the next few days." But also, as part of our standard equipment, we send out this display. I know you've got your displays; you really like your setup, but like you might want a, another one or something. I'm like, sure, send it on. And so I got the LG Ultrafine 4K display. Now, for reference, uh, for several years now, since uh, 2017, I have been using Dell's 24-inch 4K displays. They're retina quality. They are just fine. Um, They don't have as many fancy um, whirly gigs and doodads as this new uh, LG 4K Ultrafine. Um, That's the same category I'd put my HP 4K 20-inch, 27-inch display into. Mm. Yeah. So the, my, my Dells are, uh, and I did this on purpose, um, because I have tended to like matte displays and I'm a little split on that at the moment because this LG Ultrafine 4k is not a matte display. It is a glossy finish. Interesting. And when, when it's not got something reflected on it, making it hard to see, it is very nice looking. Like, and I think part of that is the uh, the fact that it's a glossy display and not a matte display. I think matte does tend to reduce um, contrast and and just makes it look a little flatter. And I love that there's no glare on my matte displays, but I love the look of that LG Ultrafine 4K display. Um, by the way, the links for that and and the displays that I currently have are going to be in the show notes. Um, the I would not recommend currently buying what I bought, um, and maybe there's an updated version of it, but right now, what I bought the, with the Dell 24-inch 4K Retina displays, I bought them for about $300. Currently, they're $649. That's almost the same price. Like That's literally like 30 bucks away from being the same price as the LG Ultrafine. So at that point, wow. I would definitely recommend the LG Ultrafine. Um, my Dell displays don't have fancy things like, um, being able to easily set the display brightness. Um, you have to go into a, a world of menus in order to get to that. And then adjusting the display brightness on, on the Dells changes the contrast ratio. Like you also have to adjust the contrast with it if you want to adjust the display. So I've, I've really just found a brightness that works for me in my office and left it there. The, on the, uh, the Ultrafine is uh, the LG Ultrafine like it integrates with Mac OS in a way where it that the you know the brightness dis- controls are built in as you would expect from an Apple display for instance and so I can click control center in the drop down and there's a display slider that shows me you know that I can adjust the brightness with and it also does uh, it has a sensor in it so that you can do auto brightness and all that stuff um, so it's really nice like that. It really integrates really well. It's, it's not quite as nice as if Apple had made it. You know, you remember the Apple's old cinema displays over the years, and those had a certain Apple aesthetic that the LG Ultrafine doesn't replicate. But in terms of functionality, like, I, I love it. It's really great. And it looks just fine. Like, it's, again, it's not an Apple aesthetic, but it looks fine. Um, so I'm really, really happy with it. Um, I kind of, there's part of me, it's like, Ooh, man, this is so nice. I kind of want to replace my three primary Dell 4Ks with this, with, you know, three of these bad boys, but at that price, you know, $700, uh, it's not going to happen. Um, so, well, the other thing I realized too, is my, at least right now, my Hackintosh, uh, is a, is a standard, um, it has a, a graphics card with standard DisplayPort output and this display requires Thunderbolt. Um, yeah, so it wouldn't work with my Hackintosh anyway. Um, but for, for what, you know, for the, um, for what, so it's got two Thunderbolt ports and three USB-C ports for peripherals. 
the Thunderbolt port, the two Thunderbolt ports, you can is so you can daisy chain another Thunderbolt device. Um, and then the USB-C ports for peripherals is really nice. I, I'm using the dongle that I have um, just in my laptop bag. Um, and I plug it in and I, you know, plug my mouse and keyboard into the dongle. And it's, it's, so it's really just one cable going into the, into my laptop. Uh, I'm going to get to this in a minute because it's one cable going into my work laptop, which is my only USB-C, you know, Thunderbolt three computer at the moment. Um, and so it's one cable, it charges, it does all that stuff. One single cable, really, really nice. Uh, that, that'll work with any MacBook pro since 2016, basically. So anything with Thunderbolt three, so now coming back to this, what I said I was going to get to in a minute, it does also work with my 2015 lap, uh, laptop, which is uh, Thunderbolt 2, um, and I have a Thunderbolt 2 to 3 adapter, so it works almost the same. The only difference is the power. It Obviously, Thunderbolt 2 does not include power, so it does not charge my t- 2015 laptop. I have to also plug in the, the Mag- MagSafe um, charger. Um, Everything else works, including USB ports, speakers, brightness control, all that. It's really nice. Um, and as I said, you do have to use a thun- – it is Thunderbolt, not DisplayPort. So for my 2015 laptop, because Thunderbolt 2 is the same as mini DisplayPort, you can confuse those cables. Yeah. So you have to use a cable that specifically has the Thunderbolt symbol on it. Uh, DisplayPort cable simply will not work. It will not. It, it, it's not that it won't work for the peripherals. It will not power the display. It will not send data to the display at all. Like there's no image on the display. Um, this is a side note, but because I've been playing with this stuff and prepping for my current work laptop to go away, um, yeah. uh, I'm really irritated with my 2015. I, I when I got my job um, with my current company and got the uh, the. 2019 laptop with the Thunderbolt 3, I also got an eGPU because I couldn't power all three of my displays with my work laptop without an eGPU. Um, and so I got an eGPU and it works great with that laptop and it'll work great with my new work laptop that's coming. Um, but it doesn't work with my 2015 with Thunderbolt 2. And that <laughs> seems to be an artificial limitation because before Big Sur, you could actually hack Mac OS to to tell it to go ahead and do uh, eGPUs over Thunderbolt 2. And there are many people in forums and various places, and there's video even evidence of it working just fine. You know, it, it wasn't like it was slow. It, it worked fine. And so it's really frustrating that with Big Sur, Apple has tightened up security, which I, I am for them tightening up security, but it also disabled the hacks, and they're not enabling it. So they're basically they're saying, we're just, we've just decided it's not going to work on Thunderbolt 2. And that's really frustrating because... I would like to be able to plug my 2015 laptop into my eGPU and just have it connect to my displays at my desk, but it doesn't do that. So that's frustrating. Um, so um, let's see. The other thing, this is continuing the side note with my 2015 laptop. When the discrete GPU so, – so you may know, Joe, but our listeners may or may not know, so I'll explain. Mac laptops for many years now – um, most of the pro laptops have come with two displays or many of them. You, you can get them without the discrete GPUs, but they've come with two GPUs, the discrete GPU, which is made by AMD and the one built into the Intel motherboards or, or logic boards as Apple calls them, which is, um, a less powerful GPU, but much more power efficient. And so it quote automatically switches. Now, when the discrete GPU is built into these laptops, um, the internal GPU is not connected to the display ports. So in order to power external displays, it has to switch to the discrete GPU. Hmm. 
And at least with my 2015, the discrete GPU runs very hot. And so as soon as you plug in an external display, the fans on the laptop start spinning up. And that's really frustrating. Normally, uh, in order to make sure that the computer doesn't switch to the discrete GPU ever, because I'm not usually doing dis- you know GPU-intensive tasks because uh, I don't really edit videos anymore or and really I'm not editing photos or anything like that, and so I don't need a powerful GPU. So there's a software called G-Switch by Cody Schrenk, um, which will allow you to disable the discrete GPU. Obviously, if you're plugged into a display, that's no good. But normally, like if you're just using it as a laptop, it decreases heat and increases battery life. I highly recommend it. That link will be in the show notes. <laughs> the other thing that I found that helps with heat – still side note, sorry. <laughs> the other thing I found that helps with heat in this 2015 laptop is to disable Intel's Turbo Boost feature, which I have found just fine. Um, it's t- Technically speaking, Turbo Boost is where it overclocks. It's like it's allowed to run over the clock speed for bursts, right? Um, so that uh, it doesn't get too hot, but it also runs over the set standard clock speed of the, of the CPU and gives you more power for bursts. And that's called Turbo Boost. That's what Intel calls it. Unfortunately, that still makes the, the CPU run very hot. So I have software which disables that called um, uh, T, uh, Turbo Boost Switcher or TB Switcher. Let's see if, what the official full name is. Turbo Boost Switcher for Intel Max. And that disables Turbo Boost. That also helps with heat. The fans will run much less um, than they do with that, without that. So, and side note. <laughs> These are all hacks that I'm, I'm using with my 2015 laptop until I can get a different laptop. Um, so this, going, coming back to the display, um, as I mentioned, this works with my 2015 laptop and with my 2019 work laptop. Um, there's, there's built-in speakers. They aren't anything special. I would say they're not even quite as good as the built-in speakers on my work MacBook Pro, but they're fine. And they integrate with macOS just as you'd expect. The volume button works. All that stuff works. You just have to choose that display's speakers in your output in system preferences, and those will work just fine. Um, the glossy display uh, really does look very nice in most conditions, uh, as long as there's no light right behind you bouncing off of that glossy display. Um, I do think in the end, I would probably still go matte if I had the choice, just because it's really nice not to have to worry about glare. Um, and unfortunately, this new display is my floating display, uh, which I will use outside a lot. Um, and because my my Dell displays are anchored to my desk with the visa mounts, so um, anyway, uh, I haven't had too much trouble because you know I'm face I'm my back is against the wall, and so I don't have a lot of you know the the brick wall of my house, and so I don't have a lot of glare on it anyway. So it's been fine. Um. So yeah, that's basically how I'm going to be using this display is as a floating display because in the spring and the fall, I work out on the porch a lot because it's really nice outside. And especially in the spring, the bugs haven't started coming out yet. And it's about, you know, 65, 70, maybe 75 degrees. I can even work outside up to about 80. If it starts getting over 80, it starts getting a little sweaty here in Tennessee. So um, I'm going to be uh, using this display as a non-anchor display to, to float around the house or outside on the porch. Oh, I meant to send you, Joe, these photos so you could kind of see how things – how I'm using the displays here. I've just sent yeah. you in our chat. Yes, please. Um, so that also reminds me, uh, the display also works as a, a display with the iPad. Um, because this is a 16 by 9 display and the iPad is 4 by 3, um, you know, and, and, and iPad only does mirroring. Um, so it's, it's, it's pillar boxed uh, when you're just seeing the screen of the iPad. However – 
at least with the Apple TV app. I haven't tried it with like Hulu or the CW app or Amazon Prime yet. Um, but with with the Apple TV app, which I uh, me and my my wife watched um, for all mankind the other night on this new display, just with the setup that you see in the picture that I sent you, um, it will actually project to the display separately and then your your ipad will show that just the interface for the controls but not the video so that's really nice and it shows it in 16 by 9 on the display so that is really nice um yeah so and then uh in the setup that i uh so i sent you two pictures one of me with my work laptop in the setup and the ipad as a third display and then another with the 2015 laptop and the ipad as a um as a third display. Frustratingly, Apple, uh, again, this is Apple artificially imposing limitations, does not allow Sidecar to work on 2015 laptops. This is an irritating artificial limitation. Um, it's used to be patchable, again, in Catalina, but not in Big Sur because of Apple's cryptography of the disk, and and you can't just patch things in Big Sur like you could in Catalina. So um, I was frustrated because I like to use the iPad as a third display in situations like this when I'm working outside, and uh, I discovered a application called Yam Display, or yet another monitor. Yam stands for yet another monitor, <laughs> and really? it, it works really great. It requires a cable, unlike Sidecar, which will work with a cable or over the um, air, you know, Wi-Fi. However, with Sidecar, I always used a cable anyway because I prefer to have good display performance, and cable will give you a good display performance. And so I actually prefer YAM display um, because Sidecar had one resolution option, which made things look pretty small, and YAM display actually lets you choose different resolutions, and it looks really good, and things aren't quite as small, so it's really nice. So that's my, uh, my LG Ultrafine 4K. Or it's not mine. It actually belongs to the company I'll be working for. But you get the idea. Yeah. So does it feel like it's a really good monitor if it is given to you to work with for work and you didn't have to pay for it? Or does it feel like the kind of monitor you like so much you would have bought it yourself? Uh, at this point, given that the displays that I bought for $300 are now $649, I probably would opt for the LG Ultrafine because it has some built-in things that are nice. Again, it'd have to be an actual like Thunderbolt – a computer with Thunderbolt ports. I can't do it with my Hackintosh. Um, but I would prefer a matte option, I think, and I don't think the Ultrafine has a matte option. Um, if it does, I'm not aware of it. So that I'd have to think through that, but it, it's a really nice display. It's nice and light. It's it's it integrates with macOS beautifully, um, as long as you got a Thunderbolt connection, um, and it's just really nice like that. Curious. Uh, so yeah, I it's so the other the other thing is though, like even with my laptop, since I'm using an eGPU, but it requires Thunderbolt, I don't think it would work with my eGPUs. Or my eGPU. I don't think these displays work with my eGPU. So that might be problematic too. And Apple's uh, even, you know, so funny thing. My 2015 laptop will power three displays. Two through the display port and one through its HDMI port. You know, because it has two display ports and an HDMI port. Apple's more modern laptop starting in 2016 will only power two external displays. You connect a third and nothing happens. So that's another problem too. If you want to use laptops in a three display setup like mine you can't do that. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with what I have right now, but I'd have to think hard about it. Cause these are, I really like this display. I had one of these. I don't think it's this current version. I think maybe they've updated the LG ultra fine 4k in the last, I don't know, six years. 
So I had a 2014 MacBook Pro and I had a power problem where it actually was the power source that ultimately caused for my MacBook Pro to, uh, what do you say? It's called the logic board. Yes. Apple calls it a logic board. PC people call it a motherboard. I think logic board sounds better. I think so too. So it, it gave it some kind of technical malfunction that was a permanent sort of problem and ultimately killed my MacBook Pro. But at oh. the time I was trying to figure out, sorry, my, yeah, my MacBook Pro. I thought I said iPad. Well, it killed my MacBook Pro and I was using one of these ultra, uh, old LG Ultrafine 4K monitors as well. And I was trying to pinpoint like what's dying? Why is it dying? Because the screen is giving out and the MacBook Pro is di- giving out. And both ultimately died and it was not their fault. It was actually my power source. I don't know. I don't understand. I'll explain it, but it was, uh, in in both the MacBook pro and the display were fairly young. I only got to use them for about 16 months. Oh, wow. So, so I I was just so disenchanted with the whole experience. I, I I was like, okay, well, I'm going to change everything I've got going on in my office here because I can't afford for that kind of, uh, you know, malfunction to happen again. So I, I went ahead and got different displays. I started using another power source and got a different kind of mech. So, uh, but I'm glad to hear that this one's working really well for you. One thing that is really petty, but I just got to say, it looks really utilitarian compared to a lot of displays that have a little bit of finesse to them. You say you think that this LG Ultrafine looks utilitarian. Yeah, this is very blocky. Like it was, I, su- I I think maybe the picture is not doing it justice because I don't think it's quite as utilitarian as you as you think it is. It's it's really nice. It it has a nice feel when it raises up and down. Hmm. Um, it's not like you know the Dell the 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 stand. So I use a Visa mount, so it doesn't bother me. But the the displays, uh, the Dell displays that I have, the stands that they came with, they have like a locking mechanism. So it's not like the weight and the thing is balanced with you know raising up and down. Um, so you, it actually locks into place and all it's, it's, it's weird. Um, but this, this LG, the stand is really nice and it raises up and down smoothly. Like everything about it is almost, but not quite Apple caliber, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Then another thing I was wondering was, you know, there is also the 27 inch model for $1,300 5k display. Would you be at all tempted by that? Mm-mm. No, I don't like the 27-inch displays. I think they're too big, and I prefer three 24 inches compared to one or even two 27 inches. I I just feel like the space I'm able to utilize better because I have three discrete working units that are 24 inches. That like I I just feel like I use that space better than the 27-inch displays. I think you're probably right about that. I've been using now the iMac 27-inch for what I maybe 10 months. And I really enjoy this 27-inch display. It's 5K. But if I had the better of these two worlds, I would rather have two 24-inch displays than this one 27-inch display. Kind of what you're saying is like you have all this screen real estate, but in one rectangle, you're not going to use the bottom two inches or something like that. Like it, yeah. it doesn't need to be this large for a single display. Yeah, and I'm you know I'm somewhere between a... Uh 
a Mike Hurley and a John Syracuse when it comes to window management. Like I definitely layer my windows in a certain way, but I also so so I'm not Mike Hurley, <laughs> but I also don't want to have too many overlapping windows all over the place. Like I like to arrange my displays with certain discrete working units. Um, of work. And so usually my primary display is where my code is at. If I'm doing something pretty intensive, like setup or something that requires a browser, then that's where that will be. But most of the time it's where my code is at. On my left hand side, I'll have a couple of browsers, one dedicated to like the ticket that I'm working on or whatever, and the other dedicated, you know, the other browser window dedicated to, um, you know, usually because I'm working on the web, I'm refreshing up my local, you know, website that I'm working on. And those are overlap pretty heavily because I'll, and then that, you know, I usually like m- take up most of the right hand side. I'm getting way off into the weeds. Most of the right hand of the display, you know, and then overlap underneath it with my ticket, most of the, you know, left hand of the display. So overlapping heavily like that. And then on my left side, is all my communication stuff, Slack, iMessage, um, my to-do app, and stuff like that. So um, that's how I use the displays. And I, you know, I, I would just, I don't like having one single 27 inch because you have, sure, more screen real estate or not, not quite as much as I have with my three 24s, but maybe close to what you can get with two 24s. But like everything on a single display is just harder to manage and wrangle for me. I like to spread stuff out. I really missed the good old days of yesteryear, 2019, when I still had my two displays, my two 24-inch displays at my desk at the office. Now, I I far prefer working from home and having a sit-stand desk, but I got to get me back to a two-display ritual. Well, for – oh, I got to click the link and see again what – how much this UltraFine costs, Uh, which, by the way, as as far as I can tell, this particular model you can only get from – the Apple, like Apple directly. So six ninety nine for six ninety nine ninety five, you can have this sweet twenty four inch LG Ultrafine four K display and set it right next to your twenty seven inch iMac. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I, I don't actually have enough physical space on my home off my my home office's desk. Oh, like no. the yeah, the, the uh, desk itself is great, but my room is a ten by ten uh, bedroom. Oh, I was so, just about to look for a good desk for you. <laughs> no, no, this is a great desk. I love this desk. But if I had two displays like that, then I would have no room for my speakers or my external Thunderbolt Bay alongside of the speakers on this desk. So I, the best compromise was to have one ginormous display instead of two that don't really fit. Hmm. But we'll get there. We'll get back into the swing of things with two displays sooner than later. Yeah. You know, I, I envision that I may get to the point that I have the desk at the office and the desk at home by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And if that happens... I'm imagining that my iMac will go back to the office, but it may not. Um, And what I'm thinking about is whether or not I want to invest in a MacBook Pro so I can use that wherever the iMac isn't to do my video production. So uh, that I don't have to lug around an iMac. (laughs) Nobody wants to carry around a 27-inch iMac. I mean, I don't. It's it's certainly not as light and portable as a 24-inch 4K LG display. So only Marco lugs around a 27 inch iMac. Only Marco Arment. Marco. Yeah. <laughs> that's good enough. That's good enough for Marco. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I wanted to discuss briefly, I, I think maybe we can just spend five minutes on this or less. Mm-hmm. 
Why did Apple get out of the standalone display business? And and why are they letting LG do this? Because as I said, the LG UltraFine, I know there were some bumps early on and some weird like interference with Wi-Fi issues and stuff like that. But this this UltraFine is perfectly serviceable, but it's not quite Apple caliber. Like, and so to pair it with Apple stuff, like I know a lot of people, and even if I, you know, if I had my druthers, I would want my my display to be made by Apple to match my Apple equipment. Like, wh- wh- why would Apple? If well, Apple make would the be whole very widget. happy to sell you a six thousand dollar HD no, display. Okay. That's but that's that's not a replacement, and you know it. <laughs> and you're not wrong. The LG models just feel like a stepchild, and they don't really match the design language of any other Apple product. You know, during the Johnny Ive era, if you had a one-off product, it was probably going to be white and light silvery toned in, in aluminum body. The LG displays are made out of plastics. And I, I, like I said, I had experience with one of my own and I, I don't really have a strong complaint about what they look like. They just don't look like they belong in the Apple ecosystem. Exactly. Like, That's right. You know, I have some Bose uh, speakers on my desk and they don't look like they belong with the Apple system either. They're just Bose. They're definitively Bose. Yeah. And, and I may, honestly, I may choose to go third party. Like, But I think a lot of people, if Apple were selling that, and I think, I, I guess my complaint is Apple should be selling displays yeah, to go with their computers. Totally. And I don't understand what, what, why they got out of that business. They're already making the displays. Why not make them standalone? You know, because Apple sells computers that need standalone displays. Apple sells computers that they tout are able to connect to these LG UltraFines that, that works great with MacBook Pro. You know, it's like, why are they, why did they do that? I don't, this is, this is what I said when I thought we would get back to Apple being a little bit unmoored in not quite losing the plot. Like, what is Apple's plot? Like, what, what story are they trying to tell? And I feel like not having a display to go along with your professional MacBook Pros, but touting that they can connect to these displays, is a little unappley. Maybe the story is that Apple really wants the world to remember that they sell AirTags in 2021. Mm. And they had to get rid of their own display line back in 2014 in order to prepare for that. Uh. But I don't know. you're not wrong. And there has been rumor that they would sell another more affordable display. And it doesn't need to cost an arm and a leg, Apple. And you don't have to sell the, the stand separately. Right. So um, the, the LG UltraFine is six ninety nine ninety five. Apple could sell their display for, I think they could get away with 850 and And people would, even I at that price might go, eh, I kind of prefer the Apple, you know? Interesting. Maybe. For the brain power, or would you want some additional secret sauce or uh, because extra ports Apple's or? warranty and Apple's, you know, mm-hmm. it would it would probably be enrolled in warranty if I bought it at the same time as a computer. Um, so it would probably auto enroll in the warranty. It would look nicer. I know it would, you know, yeah. work well with my Macs. And I'm I'm coming back into the Apple world. I'm pretty entrenched again. And I'm really not planning on leaving it this time, as long as Apple, as long as Apple doesn't completely lose the plot. Uh, that is my favorite phrase in this episode, clearly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. I wish they would um, get back into the standalone display business, and I don't mean the reference monitor display business. That's ridiculous. 
And those are huge anyway. So real quick, what is the name of Apple's new display? Because they don't call it the HD display or a lightning uh, display. Apple else. display. I can't. Um, Pro, it is display the, XDR. Pro display XDR. There you go. Yeah, and it's clearly, it's a reference monitor. It's a reference display. What that means is it's extremely color accurate and reflective of, you know, you're able to visually set the colors you're working in the color space that communicates well with the computer what color spaces and like all this stuff is very well tuned and you just don't need that sort of high tuning you know super color accurate display in most environments you only need that when you're color correcting or you know in in video or audio or uh, in video or, or photo and you know, I, I don't need to spend six thousand dollars on a display when I don't even spend that on my computers. Yeah. I've never, I've never spent six thousand dollars on a computer, not ever. Now, if they did create the more affordable option, what I would really miss from the Pro Display XDR, if they didn't include it as an option, is the nano texture glass. So this is the like new generation of matte glass, TJ, where you reduce yes. the glare, you don't have the reflection, yes, and it's but, still glass. But I don't think – given what I know about nanotexture, I don't think I would get it because Apple has all this stuff about do not clean this with anything but a microfiber cloth with a special cleaning solution because basically it's so nano that it's easy for that to be rubbed off and it to turn back into smooth glass. <laughs> That's I pretty bad to be honest. I wouldn't yeah. want that. Yeah, I don't want that. I, I I think the nanotexture stuff is ridiculous from what I understand of it. Now, Tyler Stallman has been using the nanotexture version now for a good while, several, several, several months. So I would like to know from him how well the nanotexture has held up. And well, it's also costs an arm and a leg more to yeah, get the nanotexture. Yeah, I think it's $500 more just for that nano glass. So. Yes. Which is how much a display costs normally. Goodness <laughs> sakes. <laughs> for a special texture on your glass. For, for the price of a display, you can have nano texture put in your display, which costs about 20 times as much as a display. Yep. So it's sort of <sighs> like uh, when you buy a beer from a restaurant, if it comes with a frosted glass, it costs five more dollars. Uh, you know, just to get <laughs> the frosted glass. Goodness sakes. All right. Enough about displays. You want to tell me real quick about running Age of Empires on your uh, Mac Mini? Yeah, so this came out of left field. I was ha- celebrating my grandmother's birthday. She turned 94 yesterday. And we were cel- – well, it wasn't her birthday. Her birthday is St. Patty's Day. But we were celebrating with her and we were having dinner. And then I was talking to my younger brother and I said, you know what? When we're done here, you want to come back to the house and introduce my children to Age of Empires 2? And we thought that that was a brilliant idea. So he came over I have a family iMac Pro from circa 2013, and I have a Mac Mini circa 2018. And we figured that we could use them on the local network, that my son and my daughter could play some Age of Empires 2. It would be a lot of fun. You know, they enjoy games like Minecraft. They don't care if it looks old-fashioned. So Age of Empires 2 is still the best of the best, the cream of the crop of these kinds of domination games. So we look into it and immediately run into the problem that it hasn't supported Mac in a dog's age. So we used to play it on the Mac. We had the CDs. We bought the boxes. We had this on running on, I think, an iMac and two Mac Pros at home in sometime around 2005. And we had a lot of fun playing them. So I don't understand why games like this are not still supported on a Mac. It'd be great if they were. I don't understand why. 
But, you know, we look into alternatives and immediately run into things like, well, if you buy this expensive software, then you can virtually run Windows on your Mac and you could buy Windows as well to run on your Mac so that then you could run Age of Empires 2. And we decide very quickly that that's a horrible idea. We're not going to install all those things. So we happen across an answer uh, with portingkit.com. And what it'll do is it'll run a selection of Windows apps on a Mac, Windows games in particular. So, you know, ordinarily, I don't trust this sort of uh, application system. It seems janky. It's beta. You know, it runs on something called Wineskin. Like, Mm -hmm. TJ, do you really want to run a program inside of a Wineskin? That doesn't sound very secure. Sure. No, I've I've done a lot of stuff with wine. Interesting. You're going to have to tell me more. Um, I usually just drink it. I don't usually pour it into my computer. (laughs) I'm more of a beer guy. I don't like wine. So I I set up porting kit and then we tried to run Age of Empires 2 first on the 13 uh, the, sorry the 2013 iMac and it just wouldn't run yeah, the graphics were work. Yeah. terrible. And so we were giving up hope a few hours later and then we tried it on the Mac Mini as a long shot because it doesn't even have a graphics card. But it ran and it ran well enough that there was relatively very little delay we were able to lower the resolution on Age of Empires 2 and it just ran and we were able to show it off to the kids and they both really liked it. So I think we're going to be playing more of that on the family Mac Mini. So I I don't know if I would endorse this method, but porting kit does work in a pinch if you're intrigued by older games and you wanted to share them with kids. And a good game like Age of Empires 2 is a robust full featured game that you can get for uh, legally. What does it say here? I think it's 1728 on kingwin.net and it runs using steam. So the way this works is you set up porting kit and then you install steam for windows on the Mac. Right. And then you're running age of empires two from kingwin mm-hmm. through steam for windows. And surprisingly, works well and it runs well on a Mac mini on a 4k display. So yeah. Yeah. So because I'm a nerd, I know a little bit about the technical underpinnings of this. So I'd be happy um, to hear them. Porting kit, um, is basically a highly tuned, um, wrapper for wineskin to, and it's tuned to specifically run it. Look, as far as I can tell, just reading through this real quick, it's tuned to run specifically these games that you're talking about with steam and, and that sort of thing. Um, Wineskin is um, basically a wrapper around wine. Now, what is wine? Wine stands for it's it's a backronym or not not a backronym. What is it when it's a it's a recursive acronym? Anyway, it's wine is not an emulator. Um, so wine basically has been around in the Linux world for a while, and then it's also come to the Unix world uh, of macOS. Uh, which is basically it provides a compatibility layer, layer a compatibility layer uh, for running Windows applications on a POSIX style uh, compliant operating system such as Linux or Mac OS or you know which is BSD. Um, POSIX uh, stands for Portable Operating System Interface. So basically, it is the API application layer. You make a call and you get a response back. 
Windows, of course, has its own API layer. And so what this is doing is translating Windows API calls so that it's a layer running between macOS and Windows or Unix and Windows or Unix and the Windows application, I should say. And so when that application makes a call, this this translation layer, this compatibility layer translates it to a POSIX-style API call. And so then it, it sends it onto the operating system and it receives something back. And it translates it back into what the Windows API would expect to receive instead. So that's how that's working underneath the hood, is it's a translation layer. So it's not an emulator. So another way to accomplish this is to emulate Windows. Uh, you have VirtualBox or um, uh, Parallels or stuff like that, which will actually run Windows. And so then inside that container you run of Windows, you run applications. That's a much heavier interface. So you do have some performance penalties with Wine translating because it's doing translate you're obviously running code, you're running stuffs, you know, that that translates, you know, your API calls into Unix compatible API calls. Um and that's why it only works for some applications and not others. The you know not every API has a one to one mapping right to to a Unix API. Yeah. But um, but but clearly the it works well for certain things, and you don't get as much performance penalty as you would for actually running Windows and then inside that Windows container running you know your applications. Yeah, which I don't even think my Mac Mini could possibly withstand. No, if, if it's a 2018, I'm sure it could. I I run Windows on Mac through emulation all the time. I mean, I guess it would. It's just that anything to do with graphics uh, and and you put layers upon layers of demands of graphics on this Mac Mini, it does really poorly. Mm. Yeah, so it sounds like you have, it's not a great graphics experience. But yeah. the CPU, I think, would perfectly support. The CPU could handle it. So yeah. the graphics that would fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oddly enough, my daughter plays, I think it's called Sims 4 on the 2013 family iMac. And we we try to run it on my Mac Mini, and it doesn't work so well. Hmm. Interesting. Probably more graphics intensive. Yeah. All right. Well, Joe, I think that's yeah, a show. That's a if show. If people if people want to check out the show notes for all the things we talked about, you can get pictures of the things that I was sending Joe pictures of. You can get links to the things we talked about. All that kind of cool stuff. You will go to nighthowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 25 because this is our 25th episode. Uh, check out those show notes, and we will talk to you next week.